This is Again for the First Time with your host, Darren Redmond. Hello, everybody. This is Darren Redmond, and I am so fortunate to have with us a real ambassador for people and um, somebody who really speaks truth to the name of the podcast again for the first time. I'm talking to Michelle Leopold again, but for the first time on this podcast. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm grateful that I could be here. Thank you for asking me. It's an honor and I'm motivated and inspired after a nice little break to teach the world what we can teach and hopefully save lives. Well, I tell you, I've told you this previously, but I truly believe this, but I want to remind you of it. You already are saving lives. I know it because we have the same sort of Twitter audience and we, we sort of go back and forth and, and I see the responses that you get. And um, thank you for the work that you do. Um, a little birdie told me that you were out of the country. What was that like? I have not gone out of the country since COVID. So uh, tell me about it. Oh my gosh. Uh, so my husband and I, we've been married for 27 years and that travel is our love language. Um, we, one of the main things when we were uh, dating and planning a life together was our love of travel. And so it's been you know, something that's really been important to us. And to be honest, uh, our family went to Europe in 2019 and then Trevor died five months later, uh, right when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then COVID hit right when I was done with breast cancer, chemo and grief. And anyway, big messed up pause on one of the ways that my husband and I really love to connect and to make new memories. Um, I'm just not a pickleball person, I've got to say. So it was- Another another reason why I I enjoy your company so much. (laughs) All right. When did it become pickleball? But eating pickles is fine with me. And yes. we did a lot of eating of all sorts of delicious food and seeing sights. It was funny because we didn't, we, we logged about nine miles a day. Um, mm. And because of that, I got to eat whatever I wanted, included, including delicious chocolate in Belgium, which was fantastic. Oh, that had wonderful. Yeah, it was good. So here's a question that, that I'm sure people will be writing in. And you know me, that's tongue in cheek. So is it called Belgium waffles in Belgium? <laughs> a friend just asked me that because I posted a picture of us eating them. No, they're called waffles, but yeah. they are everywhere and they do taste different. And I pride myself on being a pretty gosh darn good cook. Mm-hmm. And I personally make my waffles from scratch whenever I can. And these waffles were better than my waffles. So, and, we had, and we had several versions of them. <laughs> well, that's great. That, well, that's like, note to our listeners, um, when you go to Philly, do not call it a Philly cheesesteak either. It's, 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 it's a cheesesteak. Don't call it, <laughs> it, it. People throw you off the line. Just don't do that. <laughs> 
you mentioned treasure, and for those who are listening to us, um, if you can talk about Trevor. Sure. So we met because of my activism around my forever 18-year-old. Um, Trevor was a beautiful human being with a wonderful, loving soul. Um, and sadly, he became addicted to cannabis. And no, it's not just pot because he was violent. And I saw a huge change in my son immediately once he started using at the end of his freshman year in high school. Um, we knew there was an issue. It got worse instead of better, despite trying to put resources at it. Um, he, in a nutshell, was in and out of multiple rehabs uh, throughout high school, uh, which is an issue in and of itself um, under 18 year olds on their parents' insurance. But anyway, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, and he graduated from high school, went to Sonoma State in California, and he died in his dorm room. Uh, in November of 2019 from a, what we found out was a blue 30, which is oxycodone. Um, and, but it wasn't, it was fentanyl. And he was, from what I understand, in search of a higher high, because I've heard that his drug of choice was marijuana. Um, but might as well see what else you can feel you know just even if you are a corona sort of person you might want to try Heineken or Budweiser now and then sadly um Trevor uh I do think it was his addiction in addition to the fentanyl that mm -hmm. killed him because he despite a lot of rehab still insisted on um using and so that was 2019. And before Trevor died, I always said Trevor's story is his story to tell. Uh, but once he died, I said, now it's my story to try and save lives with. And so starting from his obituary in the newspaper to his memorial service, we have been forthright and upfront about um, he didn't die from some natural causes. And I've been a very loud advocate to whoever will listen um, about primarily about it's not just pot and one pill can kill around teenagers, especially just because Trevor was 18. And I, um, that is where my lived experiences are. There's so much to unpack there. Uh, and um... Again, it's so brave what you do, and um, you will never know the lives that you help change, but save. Thank you. What is it, and I don't expect an answer to this, but what is it about today's culture? Now, and, and I know you a little bit, and I, I read a lot of your postings, and we have some similar thoughts on some things, but yet if you and I say to somebody that pot is a gateway drug, that it opens up, we are considered 
fill in the blank gaslighted. Oh, they must be this kind of voter and their house is wrapped in the American flag and this and this and they hate certain people. And it, that must really be frustrating when all you're doing is stating fact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for instance, yesterday, um, SB 1097 in California, which is just about putting warning labels on cannabis. That is what the bill is. Um, we called into the business and P, I forget what the P stands for, the BNP committee and the assembly. And every person that called in that was for warning labels was a doctor, a rehab specialist, addiction specialist, um, a parent with somebody with substance use or a brother or sister or some relative. And sadly, there were many of us who called in yesterday in favor of SB 1097 who had lost a child and do believe that it is because in some way, shape or form because of the pathway from cannabis. And all the people, every single person that called in against warning labels on marijuana was being paid to be there. There was not one single person that was speaking on behalf of their own lived experiences, but they were speaking as the legal counsel for this organization or whatever cannabis industry. Uh, anyway, it was very obvious that we have no money, but we speak from our hearts. They have all the money, but they have no heart, in my opinion. Well, no, I, I, I get it. it and uh, I've unfortunately um, sat in on those type, not the, that one particular, but those type of things, um, where you're like, okay, these are lobbyists. These are just paid lobbyists. Um, and um, you see that um, way too often. And, and it really bothers me that what happened in our culture where even if we get loud and get a little salty with our language, we used to be able to communicate. And now we just wanna box people in and destroy their thought process because we're so afraid of people going, oh, Michelle made a point, Darren made a point. Why is it, and I say there's no blame because addiction is addiction. Why is it that, that we, that, that kids more and more, um, they're looking for this. Um, I talked to kids that um, they chase that high, you know, they yeah. just that high. Um, yeah. And they don't want to die. That's why like I try to tell people, it's, it's a fentanyl poisoning. You need, if you, we really want to have an adult discussion, we need to separate the addiction from the poisoning. The addiction might have led to the poisoning, but the addiction in itself is not what killed them, it was the poisoning. Yeah. You know, now there are kids out there who take fentanyl straight away. But dollars to donuts, I think it's safe to assume that Trevor, as he even chased his high, did not know that there was fentanyl in there. I no. have no reason to believe he thought there was fentanyl in there. And I definitely don't think he wanted to die. Um, and I do oh, no. think so much of it is the normalization. Um, 
you and I've talked a little bit about the quick fix that mm -hmm. so many people are looking for. I'm not feeling good or I'm going to pop a pill. Um, and as we were talking a little bit ago, uh, I've had a hard day. I'm going to have, you know, a double tonight. Right. This is something that I've become even more aware of now with Trevor's passing that it's part of our uh, environment that our kids are growing up in and the normalization of this is a big part of the problem. So you have the normalization of alcohol abuse, cannabis use in California at least, um, mm -hmm. and then combine that with the fact that so many of the illicit drugs are laced with fentanyl and especially teenagers they don't know that that percocet or that xanax or that ritalin that they're buying off snapchat isn't what it says it is they don't realize that it's manufactured for people who are addicted to fentanyl and they are taking you know pills upon pills all day long because it has a two-hour uh life and so in order to continue to feel high and avoid being nope sick you have to keep on taking those pills upping your tolerance and everything else that goes with it and yeah. yeah and i try to explain that to people and again we're certainly not going to solve it on this podcast but why do we feel the need and again i'm not judging look guilty as charged i love to have a cigar you know, and, and maybe a shot of whiskey, you know, like at the end of the day sometimes. But why do we feel compelled to embrace? And I'm not saying shake a finger at you. you you're deficient. But like we, we glamorize. And we, why do we do that? You know, we, we tell kids, you know, as we pop our second Xanax that the doctor gave us, you know, and we have a wine that will make good choices. Well, we're watching. And, and they're learning. We, we keep mentioning video games, and they're certainly learning some things there. But they don't have blinders on in real life. They see us as parents. They see us as caregivers. They see us. You want to? You, you. But I know. I know your shoulder hurts. But you know, I can give you this shot. You can get back in the game, or maybe you can lose your spot on the team. You know, it's part of our culture. And yes, me, I want to ask you this question. Why are we so quick to make kids into consumer adults? They can't, they can't smoke a cigarette until 21. But yet, you know, we're filling them up with prescription drugs and turning the other way when they're vaping at 14. What is that about? Again, I think so much of it is the normalization. Yes. Um, because of the marketing around these things, whether it is obvious advertising, you know, advertising cookies brand uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, Girl Scout cookie cannabis and right. obvious things that are appealing to gummy bears, literally gummy bears. Yeah. Um, and the normalization in. TV shows, even Euphoria, I understand, um, has some uh, has a whole. I I had to watch. I had to turn it off. I watched the first three episodes, and I'm like, this is too triggering for me. I just can't. 
Um, but there's so much normalization in all of our media and all of our commercials and just the intake, whether it's your community. Um, like one of the things I'm proud of is there's a contingent in Marin County where I live that is working on um, getting rid of beverage, alcoholic beverages at youth events, mm -hmm. uh, which that was just part of what we did when Trevor and Parker were growing up. You had the grown-ups drinks and you had the kids drinks. Um, but the realization that that is feeding into it was an aha for me. And hopefully it is for other families that are going, well, maybe maybe we can just drink when we're not with our kids and right. not always in front of them. Yeah, and, and uh, that's a wonderful, and you know, people say, oh, you're over the top, you too. I'm, I'm a big First Amendment person. I'm a big, you know, believer in, in, in personal responsibility. So I wanna put that in that position when I say, you wait till you go home to drink. I don't think there should even be a law, but just why do you feel compelled, your kids playing soccer, why do you feel compelled to have your second drink. You, by the way, you're getting kids in the car. Why, why do you feel the need? Oh, it's going to be so stressful. I just, I, I need, I need to take something, a pill to take the edge off. Again, and I say this, not judging, but you need yeah. to. Add, I just finished a book called "The Body Keeps the Score," and I listened on audio at 18 hours. So about how trauma affects people, addiction, brain waves, the chemical changes. Why do we feel the need now, by the way? So your kids at the game doesn't go well. They see what we're doing. What are you saying? I shouldn't break from a kid. No, that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is maybe not on the, the soccer pitch on Saturday morning at 1030 in the morning, you know, or five o'clock in the afternoon. You know, they see you going to the bottle for the bottle for pills, you know, and again, not saying you're you're a horrible, you're a great parent, but let's model the behavior. Like, it's, it's very interesting. We have no, we seem not to care that we, we have that wine or those pills in front of our kids when we're about to drive or we're going to, 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 to the, to the uh, hockey or the soccer match. But yet if the kid uses a four letter word or we make sure that we watch our P's and Q's we don't curse in front of grandma, we don't curse on the public elevator. We, we're more concerned with people's perceptions of us and cursing and using salty language than we are about some of these very subconscious messages we're telling kids. Am I wrong? No, exactly. And that's also one of the things in my cannabis advocacy is explaining to people, I'm not a reefer madness person. I don't care that you smoke pot. I care about the brains that aren't formed at age 25 yes. and under. And that is what I speak to. I don't care that you smoke pot. Go ahead. Um, but I do care that we're trying to open, or not we, I'm trying against opening a dispensary in my community where it shows that teenagers 
have more access and therefore the mm -hmm. rates go up when a retail cannabis store opens in your community. So that's what I'm against. I'm not against marijuana and I'm definitely don't think people should go to prison for marijuana. Oh, I, don't think, I don't think people should go to the hospital for marijuana, however. And that is part of the harm reduction part that I'm working on to try and get rid of some of the issues around high potency THC and young adults whose brains aren't formed. Right. I mean, and, and that's really it because how, again, I'm not going to get medical. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor though. My initials are DR, just throwing it out there, but you know, you're getting, what are you getting high? You're changing that chemistry in the brain. And what makes you think when the brain is forming that it's going to go back to the way it was previously? You never know. You never know. So why gamble with it? And, and yeah. you know, and let's have these conversations that are open. And, and I feel the same way. What you do in your house is your business, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't think somebody who's smoking pot should go to, go to prison, go to jail. None of that. That's not what I'm saying. But what, I'm mm -hmm. saying is, what I'm saying is ask yourself, why does the kid feel the need? What, before there was a diagnosis for certain things, how did people get through it before that? You know, yeah, that, that's the question. And, and so there, sometimes there's not an easy fix, right? Sometimes there's no. not an easy fix. So, and, and we work through that. I want, and you know me, I'm a big, I like talking politics, but I don't talk, get political. Talk about the recall in San Francisco, the DA, uh, what's it, Bowden, Chelsea Bowden? Yeah, Bodine. Um, Bodine. What, what so, happened? There? So, for instance, uh, San Francisco had more deaths by fentanyl overdose or fentanyl poisoning than they did during or with deaths from COVID. Mm -hmm. Yet in 2021, there was not one single fentanyl dealer prosecuted by Bodine. So, the and there's a whole, there's all sorts of stories. But anyway, bottom line is um, there's a point of being too soft on crime that a lot of San Franciscans who are essentially Democrats, there were lots of rumors that it was a Republican recall, but San Francisco is what, 85% yeah. Democrat? So that's, that's ludicrous. I'm going on the record. The so numbers numbers don't add up. Yeah. So bottom line is um, he was not, he's making the city worse. Uh, you and I have talked about, for instance, the linkage center in San Francisco, which is essentially an opium den where there yeah. is drug dealing in front of everybody, drug use in front of everybody, where it's supposed to be a place where people who are homeless with mental health problems and or addiction problems can get linked to services. Right. But I think you and I talked recently about the fact that it's really hard to go to your first AA meeting if it's in a bar full of people drinking alcohol. Right, so right. how can you expect to look for recovery 
when there are people dealing and shooting up and smoking fentanyl all around you. So there's a lot of problems um, with what's going on in San Francisco. And I'm really grateful that San Francisco, I couldn't vote, I used my voice um, and I'm a small business owner in San Francisco. So we have been directly affected by what's going on. But I'm really grateful that he was recalled. I um, am confident that the replacement district attorney is going to be tougher on drug dealers, especially because it's ludicrous what has happened in the past couple of years in San Francisco and the whole area uh, around the Tenderloin where the drug dealing goes on in broad daylight in front of police officers is ridiculous and God bless the SFPD. They are really ramping up their tweets. You and I speak uh, the language of Twitter, and yes. they are, they have been saying, we arrested these people for these drug related issues. And the fact that nothing is happening is right out in the public. We need to do more. We have these people arrested, but then they're let go. Um, and so anyway, that's my, uh, my gratitude for the recall election. I uh, do think that uh, there's hope. Um, there's some new developments happening in San Francisco. It's happening um, this weekend. There's even an opening of a new, um, I think that's 26 beds uh, mm -hmm. for uh, detoxing, which is needed. Although we figure there's 4,000 people at least that could use a bed. So 26 is just a little drop in the bucket, but it's better than zero. Yep. Um, so there's a lot that could happen. And um, a, some of my friends uh, that were loud, especially on Twitter, um, we definitely have hope for the future of San Francisco. And I think that the recall was a good start in the right direction. Now, yeah, born and raised in New York City, as you know, and um, so I love cities, urban cities. Um, I love San Francisco, you know. Um, and again, yeah, I mean, LA, don't get me wrong, LA is great. You know, my wife and my daughter are LA people, um, and it's okay, it's great, but I love the grittiness. I love Tenderloin. I, I love San Francisco. I love the realness of it. And, um, you, there needs to be a difference. When you're letting people die in the street, there's nothing noble about that. There's nothing full of grace. And what I saw happen with the recall, in my opinion, was it was so non-political. It was, it's, there's nothing admirable about letting people rot in the street and slowly decay and call that some sort of humanistic love and affection. And right. there's nothing there's nothing graceful about taking a, now, you know, taking somebody who does people harm, whatever that is, mugging, pushing them in the street, breaking into a small business owner's place and letting them go. And the fact that more people died of fentanyl overdose than in COVID in San Francisco was, is just fact. And there are certain media outlets who don't care. 
because it doesn't fit whatever that agenda is. I was enthralled with what happened in San Francisco it, because I truly believe there are great people there who yep. may, probably don't vote the way I do. And you know what? We both love the museum. We both love neighborhoods. I'll be sitting next to you having a cup of whatever and we're watching good music and we're seeing a good street performance. And you know what? I don't care how you vote. I don't care who you're married to or not married to. That's your business. That, that's, that's the human condition that I love. And you know me, I'm a big believer in harm reduction. You know, believe, live to see another day. Um, so I, I want to ask you some more lighthearted things. You mentioned that you're a traveler, right? That, that, that's sort of your heart, you and your husband. Where have you not gone yet that you'd like to go? Alaska. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Same, same, that's same number year. one. Hi, you've been there? No, I want to go there. Yeah, you that's know? been number one on my list for many years. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. Excellent. So make sure that one day you go. Yeah, yeah. I just texted to my, my husband's best friend had a trip planned in 2020 that we were all <laughs> going to go on together, which also got kiboshed. So I just texted him this week now that I'm back with the travel bug. And I said, okay, if you're not planning that trip for next year to Alaska, let me know because I'm going to plan it. And I will go without my husband and you if needed, right. because I can't put it on pause anymore. No, 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 I should you. No, I should you. That. Um, and again, I really appreciate you being here. And um, I want to kind of check in always from time to time. Um, some lighthearted questions that, that, that I have. Um, because I find it to be important um, because it's the human vernacular, right? It's who we are. Yeah, it's the luncheonette thinking. That's right. I love it. Yeah, so one o'clock in the morning, you can't sleep, but you're going to bed and there's a movie on television. Doesn't matter if you've seen it a million times, what movie or television show stops you in your tracks? I'm watching. I'm sitting down. I'm watching. I don't care how tired I am. So I did this on the plane. It was when Harry met Sally. Great. That's a, that's a great under uh, underappreciated movie. It was appreciated for a while when we were younger and now it's it's a great movie. Yeah. I just just but it did put me to sleep, which was a good thing. I needed to fall asleep. <laughs> so are you a movie person? Do you watch, I mean, do you go to- I'm a huge movie person. And uh, matter of fact, I lead a group called the Marin Flick Chicks. And oh, we, go, we go see all the movies that our husbands don't want to see with us, whether they have subtitles or they're romantic right. comedies. You know, so husbands, like, <laughs> they don't like to read. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm a huge, so I generally don't see movies twice because my list is always longer than I have time for. No, I get that. I am a big Tuesday. It's cheaper. I go uh, and most of the time I go to the movies by myself. I get a big tub of popcorn and it's like my time and uh, yeah. I enjoy it. So what, give me your top, before you go, give me your top, give me top five movies that came out in the last five years. So if you, if, so if you say somebody, these are, it doesn't matter if they're critically acclaimed or not, but these are yeah. the top that I suggest you watch. In well, the, last well the, 
the last five years is hard because COVID really put a damper on, in my opinion. But I'll say, so for Father's Day last weekend, um, Jeff and I saw Top Gun Maverick. Wonderful with, movie. I loved it so much. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and I've been, you know, going back to my, I don't usually watch movies over, you know, multiple times. I wanted to see the original Top Gun. And now I really want to see it because so much of the oh, new yeah. version fed into the original movie, which was one of my favorites many, many eons ago. Matter of fact, I was, I was so saying, I, I had the cassette of the soundtrack even. <laughs> With the pencil. Just, yeah. So but before you get to your next movie, this is four more to go. Any truth to the conspiracy that Tom Cruise has actually gotten younger? What what's going on with him? He, first of all, he looks great, he acts great. I absolutely love the movie. Um so yeah. So the before the movie started, he did a little thank you for coming to the big screen. We really are glad that you're back and we're grateful to be back in the movie theaters um and when that started rolling at first I didn't even recognize him because he was there without full makeup just being who he is I believe um so <laughs> that Tom Cruise compared to the Tom Cruise in the movie they were two different people so yes I do think he's yeah. I do think he's aging. I do think he has had plenty of help along the way to look like he hasn't aged. Um, but I think I'm real. I think, yeah, I think he's probably about the same age as me. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Um, as us, by the way. So give me, give me a more. So that maybe more. So. Uh, my friends and I go to the Mill Valley Film Festival uh, every year, and one of the underappreciated movies that came out this past year that was actually made during COVID, we had a wonderful talk with the director, producer, I forget, um, was Cyrano. Uh, based on Cyrano, Cyrano de Bergerac. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely not for everyone, but the Flick Chicks loved it. That's and, a good one. You know, you and, need to do a podcast, by the way. I'm just throwing it out there. You I need, need what? To, you need to do a Flick Chicks <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Thanks. My Facebook page, uh, the Marin Flick oh. Chicks Facebook page is about all I can handle today, but maybe tomorrow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we do reviews on there, and that was one that we... It was so touching that it was about connection mm -hmm. and especially the fact that they made it during COVID made it so much more real. One other um, that I did see in the movie theater this month or this uh, year, and I'm going to forget what the real name is. It's something like um, the unbearable weight of great talent i think is what it's called but bottom line it's about nicholas cage oh how and good was that oh my gosh that was that so great so good. I that am was so good I am, yes you know, <laughs> it, was it was a little seinfeld it was unique it was great yeah. i love when anybody can make fun of themselves yeah, by yeah. The way, when we do the top five of mine 
there's a Nick Cage movie in there too. Little teaser. Oh, oh, oh. And- I want to know. I want to know. Um, I'm um, trying to think of names. Uh, I didn't. I didn't go through my list beforehand. So, um, there was a documentary. Uh, again, through our local um, film festival, they do a documentary film festival, and I'm not going to remember the name of the documentary, but it's still. I still think about it all the time. And it was about um, twins and triplets that were what? separated on, what was it called? No, I'm, I'm, I'm like, wow, see, I would like yeah. that. Yeah, they were separated, they were given up for adoption and they were separated on purpose and they were studied without anybody knowing that they were being studied to see what traits, you know, the nature versus nurture thing um and gosh i wish i remembered the name i'll text it to you i'll tweet it to you <laughs> but it was fascinating and it really it, it i still two years later i'm still thinking about it so I'll, I'll give you mine quick before we go okay before good my so top gun is definitely in there it was so good it just was and people don't realize it's very hard to especially in a movie with such big buildup, to do even better than people expect it to be because they're just usually disappointed. And, and Top Gun, boy, did that deliver. And how smart were they that they waited to get it into the, into the theater? That movie needs to be seen in the theater. Exactly. That was my review, was if you have any interest in seeing it, see it on a big screen. The end. So my next two are war movies. Um, but I found them, the, the way that they were made were just amazing. And that's Dunkirk and 1917 with that single shot in 1917. I, I, I rewatched on the plane coming out here to Cincinnati and it was just so good. You yeah. Know, and then, then I mentioned to you the Nicolas Cage movie, Pig. I thought Pig was oh. outstanding. Okay, I haven't seen it. It's on my list, but yeah, not enough time. Many movies. It's not a documentary, but it's filmed like a documentary. Yeah. And it's really, really, and because those pigs do exist, you know, they, they yeah. hunt the truffles. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and, and then the other one I would say, and you just came back from Europe, Belfast. Belfast was so good. Yeah. I, I, know, I, I, I get emotional now. It was yeah. because, um, that's, you know, that, that was my dad, you know, that was my dad going through that stuff, you know, they say, and, and I'm paraphrasing, the, the, you know, the Irish are born for leaving, you know, and sometimes when you wish a better life for somebody, you have to let them go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so have you seen Belfast? I did, but yeah. on the little screen, on, yeah, and, yeah, and, I saw it on. And the, the young lady, I think it was Dench who played the, the grandmother. Yeah, oh, yeah. So good. She's fabulous she was, in everything, I think. Yeah, yeah. She really is. Yeah. Who would have thought that we would have finished this podcast with films? Same okay, way. but I want to throw back, go back to yeah. fentanyl for a minute because there Please. is a group of activists, as we shared, there's so many different fights to fight around these tragedies happen, happening. Mm-hmm. And there's a group who is using Dunkirk as their example of what needs to happen with fentanyl and they said just 
just like all of the people got into their individual rowboats and went out to try and save, that's what we have to do right now is we all have to get into our individual rowboats and go help save the world. So this is a Dunkirk moment and thank you for being part of this big important Dunkirk moment. I love what you do and I'm here to serve you. And um, we'll talk again, my friend. Thanks, Darren. Bye now. Bye.